Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's a Tuesday night edition of The Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to The Doghouse, and this is your host, David Murray. And we're back to talk about, or rather to let the coaches talk about, what's going on as Mississippi State prepares to face South Carolina. Now, we will talk with the both coordinators, obviously, in their post-practice press conference this afternoon about the results of the LSU game, what they saw, if there were any positives. Yes, we do look for positives, but uh, bluntly, what went wrong and what is there that they can start working on towards next week because the season doesn't stop. Bulldogs have another SEC game, this time a road game, and we look into such topics as maybe does going on the road help you gather as a team. I know we asked Will Rogers and Jaden Crummity about that on Monday, and they were they thought that possibly it could, but mostly it's just a matter of where it's home or away. The Bulldogs have to pull themselves together, not listen to the outside noise, which, by the way, is not a call-out of fans. It's more like uh, us media and social media in particular, but that's not saying that they mind what the fans are saying because you cannot imagine that the Bulldogs are are any less disappointed than the fans are. No, the other way around. When you've sweated uh, all sorts of things off, we won't get too graphic there, since uh, sometime in March, and now you're whitewashed by LSU, almost shut out. If the Tigers had really wound it down, they might have pulled it off just with their sheer athleticism. But the Bulldogs clearly did not show up to play, certainly not ready to play. How much of that was game plan? How much of it was mental? Uh, how much was execution? I think all of the above, but more so mental. I just think from almost immediately, as early as the second play of the game, the Bulldogs were kind of playing the uniform and not the game plan against a Tiger team, which is, again, superbly athletic. But I'm not sure they're the functional team technique-wise that they need to be to challenge for a championship. And maybe they do. They've got a good coach, got good staff, and amazing athletes out there, some really skilled players. But that's LSU's issues. Mississippi State's issues go to the fact that their lack of athleticism in certain areas was shown up. Now, maybe not so badly as it looked. It may just be a matter that LSU was that good and State was more a step slow because their minds were not in focus nearly as much as their feet. Yeah, okay, that's kind of an odd metaphor, but you get the idea. Uh, when What's the old adage that they say about baseball? You handicap athletes by making them think. Well, it's not entirely true. You have to think in today's game, and you have to think a lot, but you have to think really, really fast and be moving almost before the thought is complete. Easier said than done, obviously, but that's what a good team is supposed to do, and frankly, that's what a veteran team is supposed to do, and it wasn't just the guys stepping into starting roles or reserve roles this season that were slow. The veterans were a step slow, both of recognition and reaction, whether that's offense, defense, and it just showed up in how badly they got beaten. Yes, it was a line of scrimmage game first and foremost, and that meant LSU was going to win pretty much regardless. Uh, I don't think there's anything thinking-wise that the Bulldogs could have done differently at the line of scrimmage on offense. Those certainly expect guys who are all seniors to play better. Now, there may be some changes coming in the offensive line alignment uh, to get a little duplicative there. I think the state certainly has some questions to answer at the right tackle position. Maybe Cameron Jones isn't fully back from his injury at the end of last season. 
or maybe a change needs to be made at center and go back to last year's system when State in a crunch had to put Stephen Lasoya at center and move Cole Smith back out to the guard position. I don't know. That's up to the coaches to do. And here's a game they have to do it fast because South Carolina, not a terrifically good defensive team in their own right, but they can play aggressive and they know that they can afford to because they have an offense capable of putting a lot of points on the board. And maybe Mississippi State should uh, follow some of that gambling example on defense themselves because just sitting back and waiting for a pass to be complete was a recipe for disaster because the passes were obviously complete. LSU, barely any incompletions, no interceptions, and four sacks. I'm sorry, two sacks. And a couple of those, uh, one was a really good defensive play, and another one was, I just think, Daniel got a little confused, LSU's quarterback, uh, which way to go, and it resulted in a sack because State had the right rush on at the time. They're about to play a, a guy who can scramble out of any type of pressure and unload a long throw to part any area of the field in Spencer Rattler. And plus, South Carolina playing at home. I know, there's all sorts of details we can go into the matchup. We hope to have another podcast to talk about it before the game, although we will be hitting the road on Thursday, get up in the area a day early, and then uh, make our trip over to Columbia on game day. 7.30 kickoff in Columbia? Yeah, not happy about that at all, because that means I'll be getting back to my wife's house in the Charlotte area. Oh, probably around 3 or so in the morning, and then we'll be making the trip back to Starville all Sunday. Uh, I'll be riding, she'll be driving, and that's just how it's going to be on that. But that's what we do to cover the Bulldogs, and including our coverage is talking to the assistant coaches and the coordinators, which we have right here. We will throw up uh, Kevin Barbet first, because his offense really has some questions to answer, obviously about what they're going to do with quarterback. And it seems clear that Will Rogers will remain the starter. I don't see any particular reason right now to change unless it just comes out the fact that he, if he shows up for this game in the same fashion as the last game, then you've got to make some serious questions. I don't think so. His record of bouncing back is pretty good in most regards. And again, this is not a defense of the caliber of LSU. But at the same time, he can't assume anything. He's got to be on his game unlike anything so far this season, and go back to some of his best efforts, Arkansas and Texas A&M of last year, pull that game back out of the bag and throw that at South Carolina. And I do mean throw because while the running game remains the core of this offensive approach, Jaquavius Marks has already taken a beating just three games in, and Simeon Price, we're not sure of his availability to this game, so maybe a good chance to get Seth Davis and Jeffrey Pittman more snaps in there as well. As far as receiver positions, we delve into that today with Chad Bumpus, and he made it clear that uh, while nobody played well in the LSU game, with the exception of Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas, and that's two of your younger guys, it simply comes down to they've got to rise up, make plays, and no excuses. Just beat the defense, read the defense correctly, get where the ball is supposed to go, and that was partly behind several of Will Rogers' incompletions against LSU. The receivers simply read the defense wrong, made the wrong move, and by that time, the pressure's already on the quarterback, so no time for the readjusted pattern. That just happens, but you see veterans on the field, it shouldn't happen, whereas some of the younger guys are making more and better plays. So we're going to watch what they do with the receiver's position, the rotations there. Uh, I know that uh, we talked with uh, Chad about Creed Whitmore and simply the fact that he plays Tulu Griffin's position complicates things because you ain't taking Tulu off the field any more than you have to. The return of Xavier Thomas is giving State a little bit more of an outside threat they desperately need, 
But as we talked about before, it's time for Justin Robinson, Freddie Roberson, uh, Jordan Mosley. They have got to step up their games. And Jaden Wally as well, although he was not at 100% for the game, and there was no point putting him out there against an LSU secondary that, while not technically sound, is a heck of a lot more athletic. So uh, he sat out the game. He's expected to be available for this game as well. On the defensive side, maybe some looks at using different linebackers. Uh, coach Matt Brock, the defensive coordinator and linebacker coach, didn't really respond to my question about what's going on with the Sam linebacker position, but I think it's evident there that J.P. Purvis is struggling to be the guy they need there. Deshaun Page has gotten the start. He's had some mediocre games as well. Do you go with a younger athlete in Lewis who may not know everything to do but in a game like this, when it's going to be preeminent to chase down the quarterback, uh, maybe you need that much more than you need some of the interior guys blitzing. Just a suggestion. A state may be still short on the defensive line. We do not know what the status of nose guard Calvin Dinkins is for the second week. He had to miss the LSU game. Uh, Trevion Williams was injured. Uh, he left the field. It didn't look like a bad one, just wearing a boot on the left foot. Uh, no comments about his status for this weekend as well forthcoming, so another wait and see. And if you want to see or certainly hear, stay in tune with us on Gene's page because we'll be at the game filing a live game thread as well and other social media reports. Well, that's 10 minutes of me babbling, so let's get straight to what the coaches had to say in this Tuesday evening edition of The Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you're hearing here on the Believe Podcast Network, give us a like on Apple Podcast. Coach Barbet, having looked at the game, what do you take away from the LSU game that you can move forward and build on the upcoming games? Well, obviously we're we're disappointed, and um, you know we've we've got to do a better job. Um, you know, from a, a a standpoint of where we got to improve. You know, we're playing in third and long so many times, and we've just got to get better on first and second down. Um, you know, we've, we've poor third down conversions. Um, you know, and that's attributed to you know not great first and second down. So, um, you know, obviously uh, disappointed and embarrassed. Um, you know, uh, way too many three and outs, and um, you know we we just gotta keep keep trucking along and, and get our guys playing better. We've seen Mike Wright use I guess three different ways in three different games, just in terms of that snap counts and all that. Do you feel like you Zach and, and the offensive staff have a I guess a confidence of, of how to use him going forward, or is that still I guess a process uh, you know going into this game? Yeah, uh, you know Mike is a talented player, uh, great kid, you know. Um, we, we think about Mike as the, the spark, you know, uh, when, when things aren't going great, you know. Um, and I think he's handled it great. You know, he's come in and, and gotten his opportunity a few times and uh, has really done a good job. And so uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, ex- explore it and uh, keep working him. And he's, he's all in, man. And he's, uh, he's a great kid. And, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, really, really proud of him and, and going in that moment. And, you know, making some of the plays that he did on Saturday. When, when you guys don't have a solidified, you know, starting five up front yet, um, how much, I guess, does that affect you as a play caller when, I guess, they're shuffling in and out within a drive even and, and, and you know, you're trying to call up call plays? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, as a play caller, uh, you know, when, when you do have moving parts at O-line, you know, to be honest with you, um, just as the plan goes, when we plan it throughout the week, you know, um, 
those those guys we know that they're going to be rolling in and be you know going through there so on game day it doesn't really affect me quite as much um you know but obviously we've got areas to clean up everywhere and i think if you guys and i'm sure y'all have all gone back and watched the film as well we've got you know uh, one little error here that you know caused this play to be a, a negative play and then you know a, a, another position groups make makes that same error or you know a quarterback makes a, a, a poor throw or you know we get pressure and uh, so right now we're just kind of in a rotating uh, you know mistake uh, routine that we got to get out of and I really I think we're close um, but right now it's not complementing very well with you know, stacking, you know, one mistake on top of the other. So. When you sat down with Will after this game, what did y'all talk about? Um, you know, really with Will, um, I mean, look, he's, he's experienced and he knows and, um, you know, just uh, really getting his, his confidence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he knows he can and uh, he knows he didn't have his best day. Um, but you know what? I didn't have my best day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've got to do a better job of getting him ready to go and, uh, you know, taking easy completions and, and getting the ball out of his hand. So we look at the South Carolina defense on film, what, what do you see from them that's going to pose a challenge? Yeah, uh, those uh, two linebackers, um, I think, are, are really hard-nosed guys, man. They're football-playing uh, dudes that are fun to watch on film because they will come downhill and they will light you up. Um, you know, uh, the interior, the, uh, the D lineman, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his last name, Hemingway, uh, is a really, really good player. Uh, so he's somebody that we're going to have to uh, be able to manage uh, up front. And then, you know, the corner on the outside, I think, is a special, special player. Uh, maybe one of the best ones that we've seen so far. Even for a veteran team, uh, an eight, a 7.30 start somewhere is a late start. What do you as coaches do to keep those guys either rested or put their minds on football all afternoon? Yeah. Um, you know, we have meetings in the morning time and then they have a little bit of rest time where they're watching games and then we get back and we have more meetings and walkthroughs. And, um, but there's a balance of not trying to, you know, wear them out, mm-hmm. uh, but have them prepared for those late night games. Because it is, it's a lot of sitting around at a hotel, uh, you know, when you get there the night before. We haven't had a chance to see him, obviously, since camping, but what's Chris Parson doing right now? Yeah, Chris is, uh, uh, he just got done with uh, one of the scrimmages out here. Um, coming along really nicely. Uh, he's been, you know, going over and working with the scout team some, uh, which I think is uh, valuable experience for him, just feeling a pass rush. And, you know, um, even though it's, it's maybe running the other team's offense, um, you know, he's, he's really taken great pride in it. And it's fun to watch. Uh, he's going to be a great player. Could he play if he had to, if the worst case happens with Will and Mike and those guys? Yeah, I've got total faith in Chris Parson. Um, you know, he's a strong-arm kid uh, that's really invested in learning the offense. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I think he could play. We've only seen one catch, I believe, out of the tight end group this year. I guess has the impact of not having Spivey been as, as big as you thought it was going to be? I don't know if I'm wording that correctly, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like to use the tight ends um, a little bit more. And, you know, right now we're in a uh, uh, kind of a situation where, you know, each of them has a kind of a niche and we got to make sure that we're, uh, you know, uh, quality controlling ourselves and not using them uh, just to, you know, be a run blocker or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I've got faith in all those guys. Um, you know, sometimes the ball, you just got to let the ball find you. And, um you know, those, hopefully in, in the future we're getting more tight end catches. Thanks, Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Coach Brock, now that you've had a chance to look over the LSU tape, what disappointed you most about the effort that night? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things, obviously, you draw from it. Number one, I just didn't think we played with the competitive fire that we had, especially early in the Arizona game. But even as, uh, as the game progressed in Arizona, I thought we played hard through that the entire game. And obviously, as coaches, we didn't get that across to them. Uh, the importance of that, 11 a.m. Kick, kickoff, we didn't show up with the same intensity that LSU did. And, and I mean, credit them, credit their coaching staff, because they did a better job uh, than we did, obviously, getting that done. As Zach's mentioned, couple times in camp, the possibility of a, of a four-man front just doing mm-hmm. different things with the defense front. Um, what other things, I guess, schematically can be done to sort of give that group some some help and getting some more consistent pressure throughout a game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, some of that is rotating in more, right? Some you know, younger guys got to elevate so that you're more fresh as the game progresses, and I think that obviously helps your pass rush. Um, and then, you know, there's times we got pressure, you know, pressures like blitzing and different things like that. And then obviously, you know, that, that puts stress in other places, you know. And so, but I think it comes down to rotation, getting bodies in there, keep it fresh, you know, which means your young guys got to elevate. Kind of on the other side of the ball, you know, Will Rogers was saying he's not surprised to see Stone Blanton having success early on for South Carolina. What do you remember about him from you know, the recruiting process and, and what was, you know, intriguing about him as a young player? Yeah, I mean, I have not. I would be lying to you if I told you I've watched him yet, but I know he's, I know he's starting all that. Uh, I thought he was a great kid, great family, uh, hard worker, physical player, played the game the right way, tough, all those things, smart. I mean, yeah, when we were rec- recruiting him, we kind of looked at him and went like, all right, can he be a Jet Johnson type player for us? And, uh, you know, I think that's probably what he's, his trajectory is right now, you know. And so, obviously, great job by him, and he's done, doing good things over there. How did your Sam linebackers grade out? Uh, okay, not to the, I mean, not to the level. Obviously, nobody graded out very well, mm-hmm. coaches included. Now, okay, so uh, I'm not going to say that they graded out well because you don't give up that many points, that many yards, and all the all the things that come with it, and anybody grading well. So, uh, I don't think anybody on the defensive side graded well, coaches and players. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Deontay Anderson the past couple of weeks and his development? He's getting better. I think he he saw just how physical the game is in the trenches in the SEC, you know. And uh, so hopefully you see that. You've got hit in the mouth. You've got bloodied a little bit. And you come back from it even stronger. With Sean being denied his appeal, now you're going to probably run Isaac Smith up there, um, a true freshman making a start on an SEC field. It's a challenge for him. And how is he taking that on? It is. It's absolutely a challenge, obviously. He's mentally, though, he's, he's pretty mature for his age, you know. And so by no means does – does that make you ready for it, right, until you actually step out there? Um, but, I mean, he, he's the type of kid that he's a gym rat. Uh, he's that way through recruiting, and so you hope that maturity will uh, will showcase on the field. Past two weeks combined, almost nearly 1,000 yards allowed. How personal are the, the leaders and the seniors in that room sort of taking these past two weeks and to bringing it into South Carolina? We better all be taking it personal. I mean, not just the seniors, but everybody that sets foot on the field, everybody that's preparing in that office up there, you give up those, that many yards, you give up that many points. I mean, if, you, if that doesn't put a pit in your stomach, I mean, that's not, you're not the type of competitor we need, and, and that's across the board. So nobody's happy with it, um, but I wouldn't just say it's just the seniors. I mean, it's got to be a whole thing, you know, whole organizational uh, mentality. Kind of along that, you know, Will and, and Jaden were talking about the players only meeting earlier today. I guess just is that a promising the signs to, to see some of those veterans taking that initiative and, and wanting to send a message, you know, without the coaches having to? I think that's always good. Obviously, player-led teams are always the best teams you're going to have, right? But uh, ultimately, talking about it's one thing. we got to go out and do it on a daily basis all the way through an entire week, through an entire 60 minutes or as long as it takes. But uh, I'm sure those are good steps. And now it's just got to actually come to fruition on the football field. South Carolina gave a lot of stat sacks in their first game. They seem to have corrected some of that last couple of contests. What are they doing differently to protect the quarterback, or is he just escaping more? Probably a little bit of both, but they've, they've rotated some different bodies in there. 
uh, on the offensive line, you know, through all three games. Really, you kind of look at it. There's a few consistent guys that have been there all the way through. But, but obviously, he's got mobility to, to break the pocket and hurt you. Um, and and they're running the ball. You know, their their rushing yards are a little bit skewed because of those sacks early. You know, but they're they're very capable in all areas of their offense to run the football or throw it over your head. So great challenge, and we've got to improve upon it, especially with the film that we've put there. What do you tell these guys, especially the younger guys, just about bouncing back mentally and psychologically after a loss like you guys experienced this week, last weekend? I think it's a pretty simple, simple message. I mean, how do you get this, the feeling out of your stomach right now? You go back to work and you and you fix it, and the only way you get that fixed is through hard work, preparation, and then going out and, and uh, playing good football. And so we can talk about all we want. It's all about the actions of actually getting it done to get that feeling out of your stomach. Thank you, Coach Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.